actually the kind of people who go big with like decorating your Christmas like outside the lights the you know blow up kind of whatever any, any of you go super super big okay a couple of you a couple of you um, in Naperville uh, they have an entire house that's dedicated to all of the eras Christmas themed of Taylor Swift don't know if you saw that um, every every fifth, sixth, and seventh grade girl loves that, and forty year old woman. But it's great. It's great. It's like amazing. Uh, but uh, I I love walking my neighborhood, and I love seeing um, the creativity uh, that people have, and um, I love actually like, seeing like the nativity scenes. Um, th- this this nativity scene um, I purchased off of Facebook Marketplace. First time for everything, and. I, uh, I went to a house in Palatine, and in, in Palatine, this whole house was just filled with nativity scenes. It was like every nativity scene, and I don't know why, but he was like, I just don't want these. And so, uh, but I, 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 I'm fascinated because every, every great TV show and every great movie is about the character development, the tension, the redemptive arc, the storyline. And sometimes when we think about the Christmas story, we might just like highlight one kind of aspect, one character. But have you, have you ever just thought about the cast of characters that were present or who weren't present at that first Christmas? I think about the shepherds. Now, many of you might know this. Is shepherds were uneducated. They were wanderers. We know from the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, that David, the youngest brother, was a shepherd. So oftentimes scholars will talk about how shepherds most of the time were like fifth graders. And just imagine some shepherds late at night, just out in the fields, doing what they do, protecting the sheep. And all of a sudden they are just absolutely surprised. It's like God breaking in and inviting them to the party. Maybe for some of you, you can resonate with that. You look at this year and you actually have experienced a God that is in the surprise. Last service, I saw my friend Reed and his wife Kayla and they were holding a newborn and one month old. I was like, oh, the surprise of new life. Maybe for some of you, the the surprise came in an opportunity. Maybe for you, the surprise came where somehow you got to be a part of something that you never could have even fathomed. And somehow just these shepherds represent this ability that God with us, but God is also with us in the surprise. But then these guys, the magi, the wise men. And they're not fifth graders. They're not uneducated. They're profoundly educated. They're wealthy. They're curious. And if the shepherds represent like this God in the surprise, the scriptures tell us that when we read it, is that they were like looking up at the stars and began to wonder. They were just so filled 
with curiosity and wonder. And they were like, that star is different. So different that they actually went on a journey to figure it out. See, God, God is in the surprise, but God is in the wonder. And maybe for some of you, you you've been in this season where it's just been, you never would have thought that you'd be back in a church or serving in a church, being generous to a church. But somehow God in his wonder is almost like just showing you one step of light, one step of hope, one step of beauty, one step of what grace, one step of what the life lived in Christ could be like. What's incredible is, is these three The story tells us they go to the king who is also wealthy, who is also educated, who also has power. And they tell him, what's the star about? Where's the king that's supposed to be born? And this king, King Herod's like, no, 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 I'm the king. What are you talking about? And all of a sudden, Herod calls a bunch of of leaders and basically says, is, is there like a city, a town at which a king is supposed to be born? And they go through the, the Tanakh, the Old Testament. They start flipping through, reading through, and they go, there is prophecies about a king that is going to be born in Bethlehem. And Herod, Herod has all of the same ability, just like these three, to have that sense of wonder. Because God is in the wonder. God is in the curiosity. But not Herod. Herod says, I'm not joining that. And somehow something in his heart, something begins to kind of like shut down and says, I I am not going there. And what does he do? He offers up a genocide. A genocide where kids under the age of two find themselves losing their life. All because one man couldn't join. To God, God is the God of the shepherd. God is the God of the wise men. But have you ever thought about Joseph? And just real quick, before I go any farther, um, can we just make a little bit of reference to the artistic ability of this? I mean, strong, strong statement that is being made here. It's not actually accurate, but strong statement. We're going to go brown hair, brown hair, blonde hair. Brown eyes, blue eyes, blue eyes. Jesus did not have blonde hair or blue eyes. Just want you to know that. But I think what they're trying to say, I can get it from the artist. He's not from them. He's from above. I think that's what they're trying to say. Um, But... You know, you shouldn't critique art, shouldn't critique art. Um, You just look at it and go, that's not correct. But, But let's just stay with it. Let's just stay with it for one second. Have you ever thought about Joseph? You got God of the God that is in the surprise and God that is the God that's in the wonder. But you ever thought about Joseph? Here's a guy who's like, I'm getting married. I'm so excited about getting married. I'm gonna get married to Mary. And then all of a sudden finds out that Mary's already pregnant and it's not because of him. And he's like, what? And in his mind, he's like, I'm just going to quietly walk away from her. I don't want any part of this. But God is, God is a God in the interruption. And God interrupts Joseph. His expectation of how he thought life was going to go. 
he gets profoundly interrupted and Joseph now has a choice. Will he join in with the interruption, believing that maybe, maybe, just maybe, the God who is safe and the God who is consistent and the God who is worthy of trust might actually be writing a better story than I'm trying to write for myself. And maybe for some of you, you relate to that. Your life has just been interrupted. You thought your life was going to look a certain way and all of a sudden it's just been tweaked. Two degrees, five degrees, ten degrees. And the question is, in the inward journey, how will you respond? How will you choose to respond when it doesn't go the way you thought it should go or the way you thought it would go? Because that's the story of Joseph. And then you think about Mary. I mean, they're in Bethlehem because they're returning to the place of where their family is from because there's a census that's taking place. And a census was a big deal. It was basically a way at which King Herod and the powers of B, Rome, could find out how many people and what you did so that we could tax you appropriately. And Mary's pregnant. And all of a sudden she ends up giving birth to this child. And it's in the guest room of a house kind of like a house, but basically the, they, they would live up here, but then down the little steps, there was like a place for your horse, and maybe a sheep in your house. And sometimes when it was really, really cold, you might go down there and just sleep because those animals would, would kind of keep you a little bit warmer. And, and, and this is the setting. There's no room for her except some guest room that's with the animals, and she ends up delivering this child, and when she delivers this child, who comes running in? Fifth graders. Because that's who you want in your delivery room, isn't it, ladies? And I'm sure they smelled fantastic, and they're just, oh my goodness. And then who shows up? Three guys that are not your people, that aren't from your land but who have been coming and they bring frankincense and myrrh and another gift and they just kind of have this moment of bowing down. We know eight days after Jesus is born, uh, he goes to be like presented in front of the temple where he's going to be circumcised. And in the moment, another man shows up and this man shows up and he, oh, is so, so filled with joy. The only way I can best describe it here in Chicago is what it felt like for those of us who were Cubs fans in 2016. You know, you remember this. If you grew up a Cubs fan, you remember, you know, 40 years of just waiting, 50 years that is just waiting. And I remember in 2016, a couple days after they won the World Series, a 94-year-old man just loved this guy to death, walked with a cane, but you, he talked about Jesus and the Cubs. And when the Cubs won the World Series, he looked at me and said, Steve, I can go now. And I, I thought he just meant leave my presence, but he was like, no, I can die now. And this is, this is like what actually happened when all of a sudden this man who had been waiting for this promised king, because God, God is, 
a God who is in the surprise, and God is a God who's in the wonder, and God is a God in the interruption, but also for this man, God, God is in the waiting. And for some of you here today, you know exactly what that is. You just, you just feel the waiting. One year has turned into two years, two years turned into five years, five years might have turned into 10 years, and you're just trying to hold on to the hope and the faith and the belief that God will do what he said he was gonna do. And I wonder if this, when we read that in the passage today, that Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. I wonder if she was pondering the story of the shepherds and pondering and treasuring the stories of the wise men and pondering and treasuring, going, why would my husband stay? And pondering and treasuring and wondering, like, is this someone who had been waiting for my son, God's son, Jesus? And also at the same time, pondering what might Herod do? Is he going to show up too? And all of this is really, really beautiful when you think about the cast of characters. But something else hit me. Because in 2009, um, I had my first chance to ever go to Israel and Palestine. And some of you, some of you have heard me talk about this, but um, I, w- I got there in 2009. One of the first things that I did Um, is we got to go in Bethlehem to this Lutheran church. And it's a Christian church in Bethlehem where Jesus was born. Actually, very close to where Jesus was born. Beautiful building. And the pastor there, two weeks ago, in Bethlehem, got up in front of his congregation and said, I'm canceling Christmas services. People are like, what? And what did this guy do is he actually took some kind of part of the building that had been damaged because of the fighting and he began to build this art installation right at the altar at the church. And this is what he said. He said that Christ is in the rubble. And I started to think about that. I started to think about sometimes we can look at these like, molded, lit up, big-eyed, bright-colored nativity scenes, and something in it's like, oh, it's so tradition and near and dear, but it feels far from our reality. And for some of you, yes, maybe you connect with the shepherd story. God has surprised you. Or maybe you've experienced some sense of curiosity and just one step in front of the other, you've experienced God meeting you. Or maybe you've experienced that divine interruption. Or maybe you're just learning to treasure and slow it down. Or maybe you're resistant that God is actually trying to get your attention and there's a little bit of Herod in you and you're like, no. But I also know that in this community, as much hope that there is, on the other side, there's been a lot of loss. Loss of relationship, loss of a spouse, loss of a dream. And that's that's just personal. But then all of a sudden you kind of zoom out a little bit. You turn on the news and all of a sudden you start to see what's happening in our world the fracturing, the splintering, the divide, all of it. 
You start to have this kind of global view and you start to see even in the place that Jesus was born, it's looking more like rubble. And somehow the Christmas story is yes and yes and yes. But maybe, maybe the most significant Christmas story is that Christ is with you in the rubble. When you feel like you don't have hope, when you don't see a way out, when you wonder, will there ever be a ceasefire? Do you, if you ever wonder, will there ever be some sense of unity? Will life together ever be possible? If you ever find yourself wondering that, it's not just Emmanuel, God with us in the good stuff, and the good times, and when you're cleaned up enough, and smart enough, and have it all together enough, the prolific, profound, sacred, and holy message of Christmas is that somehow Christ is here too. And because he's here, that means that somehow light in a weary world can begin to flicker hope, possibility, and wonder. Who do you most resonate this Christmas season? The shepherd? You find yourself just being surprised. The wise men? You find yourself just having this sense of wonder. Maybe Joseph, God in the divine interruption, and just like, will I faithfully choose to follow it? You feel a little haired in you, resistant to his grace or his mercy or his love and what God is up to. Maybe Mary, you just find your season just in this season, just trying to take it all in, treasuring and pondering the gift that is this present moment. Or maybe for some of you, this is what it feels more like. I just want to give you a moment just of silence just maybe to ponder and ask the Lord, where, where are you today? And then I'll close us in prayer. We'll continue on in our service. That first Christmas, I can't even imagine how bright that light was, how loud the singing was, how fear and worry and anxiety was just beginning to leave the space. And somehow, you were moving. And God, I pray that as we continue in this service, that people would feel that you are near, that you are close, and that you've never given up on creation. That what often makes us weep, you weep as well. That what you came for is to cease the fire of words, of negativity, anger, of violence, of death, of war. But the good news was that you came to reclaim and redeem it all, and it started with you coming to a town. And so God, we just pray that you would speak to us, guide us, lead us. We pray all this in your name, and everyone said, amen.